Ça va bien. Que, c'est drôle parce que quelqu'un m'a dit cette, cette semaine, euh, « Oh ouais, il faut que vous parlez de ce qui se passe en Ontario. » Et j'ai dit, « Ouais, 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 Sandy est excellent en français. C'est français. Ça me, ça me chauffe au cœur chaque fois qu'elle utilise ces mots fran- français. <rire> » Excellent, moi. <rire> euh, je ne sais pas about that one. But <rire> I think that's about as far as we can go with uh, my my confidence level <laughs> in Franglais. <laughs> But why are we speaking French? Why are we speaking French today? This week. This week. Set semaine. We are going to talk about... Oh my God, les grandes nouvelles à Québec! Mm-hmm. So what is going on? I haven't really been paying that much attention, but I do know... I do know that things are really interesting there yes. right now and uh, particularly interesting for uh, QS, for Québec solidaire. So tell me what's going on. Hey, and actually the way you said Québec solidaire is like totally good because there's been a lot of awkward Anglophone pronunciations of what are two English words. What, what, how are people saying it? Oh, they're like trying to say it with a French accent. It gets awkward. Oh, like how? Like Québec solidaire. No, Québec solidaire. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> it's been a pet peeve of mine. It's like, just say Quebec solidaire or say it in French. Don't get too fancy about it. It's all good. It's <laughs> okay. a working class party. Like, we don't fucking care how good your accent is. Well, I'm glad to have said it um, appropriate, <laughs> appropriately uh, as as the most common people do. <laughs> it's perfect. Okay, thank you. So what's up who's gonna win are we going fascist are we going left-wing is it gonna be a conglomeration of everything uh does it matter great question how's he organizing excellent question oh all good questions and i want to situate this of course in a canadian context to make sure that this conversation isn't just me like blathering on for 40 minutes <laughs> we isn't that what it always is oh i so much should time how much i speak and how much you speak and then said <laughs> The lesser speaker, like some flowers or something. If it's you who speaks more, I'm just going to start, you know, saying stop dithering every single time <laughs> that you <laughs> that you go on for too long. That's a fucking hashtag now, eh? Mm, I know. Stop dithering, Nora. Sorry, uh, go ahead. And I'm of course, if, if anyone missed our, our last couple, couple of episodes, that's the slogan of the second place <laughs> mayor candidate in Toronto. Okay. <laughs> Uh, We are uh, recording at uh, two days to go in the provincial election. So on Monday, two days to go, two days to go. It's so amazing. So Monday, October 1st, Quebecers go to the polls and we are set to elect probably a new government. The polls that came out today really do have the liberals and the CAC in uh, neck and neck right now. The CAC is just a bit ahead. And I'll talk about who these parties are uh, to give people some context. But we've got the CAC and the Liberals neck and neck at about 30%, 30% for the Liberals, 32% for the CAC. And then neck and neck behind them are two parties, the Parti Québécois, which people will know, and Quebec Solidaire, which people might not know. And those two parties are also neck and neck. And these are national or province-wide polls. So, you know, there's obviously a lot that goes into them and a lot of things that could change. But effectively, we've had a Liberal government in Quebec 
almost as long as Ontario has. Mm -hmm. The provincial liberals have been in power here since 2003, Mm -hmm. with the exception of an 18-month reprieve. And that 18-month reprieve was right after the Quebec student strikes in 2012, where the students managed to topple the government of Jean Charest, which was the liberal government, even though many Canadians might think of Jean Charest as a a federal conservative, because he was. They were in power for 18 months. That 18 months was pretty much nonstop charter of values and the government fell and then the liberals uh, were reelected in April 2014. And so with that exception of, of those of the, that small period of time, the liberals have mostly been in power. And so as an Ontarian who knows, of course, that the Liberals in Ontario have been in power since 2003 and then was watching the election last June, I find the paths taken by these two Liberal parties uh, and the similarities and differences extremely fascinating. Mm -hmm. But unlike Ontario, are we set for a Doug Ford-like victory? Definitely not. Okay. Tell me why. Well, so the the front-running party is a conservative party. They're called the Coalition Avenir Quebec, the CAC. They have the CAC. Uh, I know. It's like I think the Canadian press insists that you don't say the CAC in English for very obvious reasons, but it's a terrible <laughs> rule. Uh, Canadian press change that. Anyway, continue. I know it's like it's not the CAQ. <laughs> uh, but anyway, but they are still CACists when you talk about them. So that's <laughs> Love it. Uh, and they are—they're a far-right party. Well, far-right. No, they're a—they're a, a right-wing party that is trying to be populist. That's trying to get elected on promises for improving, like seniors' care. So one of their big announcements this election was building more uh, old-age residents, and then came out that they're probably P3s and that there's problems with it. But you know, at the very least, we're not talking about buck a beer level politics. Right. And and the CAC's never been in power. And I think that that's where Doug Ford is quite um, dangerous is because he actually has a machine behind him that has been in power, that knows the levers of government and that have been working in the wings for so long to take back those glory days of Mike Harris. And with the CAC, they're they're actually they're they're new. They're they're outsiders. They um, they don't have collectively very much power in opposition to the National Assembly. And what's really very interesting about this group of politicians is they have as many women running as Quebec Solidaire does. And so that's more than 50% of their candidates are women. Oh, wow. Very interesting for a center-right party. But I see, okay, so I'm like looking at their platform and I see that they are definitely trying to do the populist thing. Oh, yeah. So how is that factoring into the election is that part like the biggest pieces of their platforms when or when they're talking about you know like less immigrants when they're talking about uh no religious uh expression like no outward religious expression what's going on there the cac has tried to make this election on a couple of issues that they think that they could wedge away from the liberals and so basically you've got a left and a right access in quebec politics for the first time in a long time, like in 40 years, that people are actually deciding their vote based on left versus right more than versus uh, federalism versus sovereignty, mm. which is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that you've got a status quo with the liberals and a status quo opposition with the Parti Québécois versus new parties of change with the CAC and with Quebec Solidaire, even though the CAC and Quebec Solidaire are complete opposite parties. 
So the big news with the CAC has mostly been around scandals. One of their uh, candidates was in a scandal because the mayor of a, of, a, of a town that's kind of a suburb of Quebec City gave him a $50,000 loan. They had a scandal because uh, one of their star candidates in 2014, this is a great story. Uh, one of their <laughs> star candidates in 2014 got elected in April and by July had already resigned to take a position with like Desjardins, the the large credit union. What? <laughs> yeah. He got a bonus of $1.8 million in his last year working for Desjardins and oh, he's back as a star candidate for the CAC. <laughs> oh my God, you're kidding. No, it's so awesome. Oh, Jesus. It's so awesome. And so, yeah, and so they've been mostly fending off um, scandal-type issues. Uh, Francois Legault's wife was secretly recorded at a, at a dinner by CTV. Well, CTV got, got a hold of the recording. This came out last week that she was like, uh, you know, we're going to, my, my husband's going to make Quebec, uh, Quebec for Quebecers and especially, especially French Quebecers. And then she said something like, I mean, I used to live in Toronto. Have you ever seen the culture, what they call culture? Like Saskatchewan, Ontario, they have no culture. They're basically Americans. <laughs> Wow. I know. It's like, <laughs> oh. I am. Uh, <laughs> finding it difficult to argue with that. I mean, like, you know, have you ever been at uh, at Sunday brunch in Regina? Like, there's a lot of green going on. That's a kind of culture, right? Rider Nation. No, I haven't been for Sunday brunch in Regina. You know what? I've been there once. <laughs> oh, shame. You guys should bring us out for a show because a Saskatoon or Regina show would be lots of fun. Anyway, to your question about what they're actually promising, there have been some things that have made them stand out. Uh, certainly immigration has made them stand out. I'm going to come back to that because that requires its own conversation. But one of my favorite things that they keep talking about are uh, free JK for all for all four-year-olds. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And... The response to QS saying we need a $15 minimum wage is, no, that's not enough. We need to make sure that people are paid $30 an hour and $40 an hour. Like that they're going to attract like high paying jobs and then just bring up the average. So it's like they're out to lunch uh, and, and they've been called out to lunch. Their platform doesn't include any new money, any money actually for environmental measures at all. Their platform doesn't even include money for most of their promises. And so people have identified that. And then on the free JK promise, like this is a this is a province that has a really good system of early childhood education. And so, for example, my kids are in CPR, they're in daycare. Their day starts at seven, it ends at six. If I want to keep them in for that whole time, I pay the same amount if I take them out early or not. And they're in a class of eight. If they were being moved to JK, they would be in from nine to three, and then I'd have to pay for before school care, after school care, and for lunch. I'd have to pay for lunch care and make their lunch because currently they have a chef. <laughs> oh, you see, because uh, things are so bad in Ontario that that sounded like a good promise, but now I see <laughs> it's a role. It, well, it, but it, exactly. And they're hoping they're hoping that people don't have that kind of contact right. with the system. And there are there are gaps. The, the gaps are more pronounced earlier on. They're, it's much harder to find a space for a, a, an 18-month-old, for example, but it's like, for Christ's sakes, like, Lego, shut up. Anyway, I shouldn't say that because he told a candidate to shut up during the debate and that became a small <laughs> scandal too. <laughs> that I would love to see that actually. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. great. I'll find you the clip. <laughs> 
And so, so immigration, I think, is the most important thing to talk about when it comes to the CAC. They are they are committing to reduce immigration levels in Quebec to 40,000 people a year. They're currently at 50,000 people. And in the beginning of the campaign, he was going really hard on the family unification program, saying that they were going to end that because that doesn't bring in, he didn't say desirable, but it's like they're less economically useful immigrants, which is like, no, that's exactly not why they are able to come to Canada. It's literally for family reunification. Now, he was asked by a journalist, (laughs) this was a really great moment, how long do you think it takes from the point of entry into Canada as an immigrant to citizenship? Guess what he said? Oh, my God. I don't know, because I don't know. What did he say? Tell me what he said. He said, oh, a couple of m- months. <laughs> what? Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. And so when the journalist was like, <laughs> what? No, it's like many, many years, like three at least. And then, you know, it depends on the kind of immigrant you are and blah, blah, blah. Right. It is like, you know, not that surprising, just given our history and knowing a bunch of politicians and having met with politicians that they don't know that. But it is fucking shameful that they don't know that. This is like the experience of so many people living in this place that you, you, you don't realize that it is hella hard to actually come and stay here (laughs) you fucking idiots part of it though too is that these folks are part of a social class with the only immigrants that they're probably ever actually dealing with are like the their nannies the what their nannies well no no because we're in quebec we don't actually we have a child care system so people don't use living caregivers in quebec generally way fewer like in toronto i would see living caregivers daily right i have Mm -hmm. never seen someone with a living care like i don't know anyone with a living caregiver here Jeez. Yeah. So that's a whole that's perhaps a whole other episode. What the what a public childcare system actually does to yeah. society. It's amazing. Yeah. So but where are they seeing immigrants? Then? Well, they're, they're dealing with with business. Right. So like the the point five percent who are so rich that they do have fast tracked citizenship. Right. Right. Anyway, that was embarrassing. And he had to kind of back up his immigration talk because it was not spinning out well. It was actually very clearly spinning out negatively and even the Parti Québécois was sounding more progressive enlightened than Legault because he's also been talking about a test for values and uh, (laughs) my favorite that we will uh, kick anyone out of Quebec who doesn't learn uh, French in three years which he has also gone back on and said no 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 sorry they can take the test as many times as they need to (laughs) okay Considering like that he could have doubled down and made it like Lodo, I'm staying hard on this. I've been I've been happy to see that the that the narrative has been such that he has not been able to stick with his worst promises. And is that narrative happening just because of the electorate or is it beca- happening because of the influence of a party like QS being a part of the political debate? I mean, what a segue. That was exactly that was the segue. <laughs> great minds that that was that was great yes the liberals and quebec solidaire know that this is the wedge issue to get people to swing their votes towards them and what's really fascinating is that votes are not just swinging from one party to another there are people going to qs from all three parties there are people voting for the cac from both the liberals and from the cons- from the Parti Québécois. And so it's made this election really volatile. And in 
many ridings. It's not just a neck and neck race. There's actually many ridings like in Sherbrooke uh, where it's actually a four-way race. Oh, interesting. That's been really exciting. And so the influence that like Quebec Solidaire has had on this election is awesome. Mm. So the party is promising free education from daycare to PhD. They're promising an over like a broad scale transition away from oil that will ban elect um, that will ban combustion engines in a period of time. I think it's by 2035 or 2040. Um, they're uh, promising to end all new uh, oil and gas exploration projects. They're promising to have health clinics open for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and it just kind of goes on and on and on. And so when you have someone like Manon say, well, we're going to increase the minimum wage to $15 an hour or offer free free daycare then the CAC promises free JK the liberals have promised free daycare for four-year-olds it's just it's just really amazing to see the influence that a clear audacious left-wing party has on the entire political discourse uh, even if it's not really riding that high in the polls although uh, you know in my riding uh, Quebec leaders in the head at the, the latest poll was Main Street that put the party at 37% at 15 points above uh, their next um, opponent, which is the Parti Québécois. So it's been really great. It's been an amazing campaign. And what I've been really excited by is how many new people I'm seeing come into the campaign and get excited about politics. And that just goes back to something that, you know, we've been talking about since this show really began, uh, which is you know, what, there's different types of strategies that can be taken in an electoral campaign. And, you know, knowing, obviously, that electoral campaigns aren't the thing that bring us to the, to the revolution. But when we're thinking about an electoral campaign, there are different strategies that can be taken. Those strategies can be, um, you know, being principled. And if you're, you know, coming from the left, uh, being principled and being unapologetic and audacious uh, in the in the promises that you make and the issues that you bring up, or you can attempt to, um, you know, compromise and try to siphon off votes from the liberals. And you're never going to be from the left better liberals than the liberals already are. You're never going to be better conservatives than the conservatives already are. And so we have always argued that the best thing to do is to take the principled stance. It's going to influence the discussion. It's going to change um, the, the the types of discussions and debates that are had, and it's going to push everything to the left. And it's really frustrating that often in the rest of Canada, that is not the strategy that is taken from the left. In fact, it's the opposite strategy, and, and it leaves us with, with promises that aren't inspiring and that aren't bold. Yeah, which is so disappointing because it is it's it's very obvious, I think, for for people who are supportive of the NDP or who would consider themselves broadly progressive, like not even just hardcore activists, but average people. What you see in the Quebec Solidaire campaign is exciting for a bunch of reasons. So it's like, number one, the party has two leaders or two co-spokespeople. And that is just different, right? The news has to talk about both of them. It's like, whoa, we just disrupted a convention. And then all of a sudden... You know, you've got Manon Massé, who's an out and proud lesbian, who's a social 
social movement activist, has been for her entire life uh, on one side. And then Gabrielle Nadeau-Dubois, who most Canadians will know as uh, the the spokesperson from the Quebec student strikes from ASSE from 2012. The, and the combination is incredible because you just always have someone who's able to kind of fill that role, uh, even though Manon is the one running to be uh, premier. Uh, the the two of them are able to play off each other. They're able to play off of the other leaders and then they could deploy them properly and strategically against the other leaders as necessary. It's really, really exciting. The other thing that's been exciting about this campaign is that there's been a, an influx of, like we used to call this at the at the CFS, no idea too crazy. Like there's been an influx of like just we are blowing open what's possible. The 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 explosion of of our of the way that we're thinking about politics has been embodied in in part by the program of the of the party. Although the program is not that radical, like every one of the promises in the program exists in somewhere else in the world. So you know that has to be said. That's not they're not calling for like some sort of new revolution, but. The way people are talking is so exciting and so like there is something happening. And so it's not that surprising that between the ages of 18 and 35, which is a third of the voters, uh, Quebec Solidaire is the first choice across the province. Yeah. And that's what we need right now is these uh, bold ideas. The thing that's really important to know about QS is that uh, this is like this election is the result of many, 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 many years of activists doing very hard and boring and important work that that from the first time that Amir Kadir was elected in 2007, I think, uh, in a by-election and then 2008, and then the second de- deputy was elected in 2012, like I can already hear some of the NDP hacks I know sneering, being like, oh, two, two deputies, like my God, you guys are pathetic. They have always wor- like can n- never forgotten their roots within especially the la- the women's movement. And in social movement organizing. And so like what Quebec Solidaire has managed to achieve with two and then three members of the National Assembly is more than the NDP in Ontario has managed to achieve with like in their last mandate, 17 deputies. Things right now are a little bit more wacky where as even as official opposition, there's not a whole lot that the NDP can do because they're like you can't really reason with Fog Dord. But um, but there, there's never been any kind of uh, rolling over at the political game. Like QS has consistently fought and fought and fought and fought and found ways to bring about some policy changes, even though they're in such a minority. And it means that like a lot of editorialists or opinions writers who are pretty liberal in their in their orientation talk about QS as being the the conscience or the or the soul or like that voice of 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 kindness and of reason that is really important I think it's like the goal of Quebec Solidaire is societal change and you're not going to win that at the ballot box and I think that I think that there's a real understanding of that in Quebec Solidaire and so that's something that definitely I think needs to be looked at from whatever provincial eyes that you have not you you Sandy but whoever's listening and it's like where are social movements how do we get social movements to work closer together and how do we how do we rope in a political party to ensure that they are literally our mouth our mouthpiece in the provincial legislature 
Or is it time to consider a new party? Because in some cases, the, the NDP is a, a lost cause. And in some cases, the NDP's government, right? Which changes the dynamic entirely. And so what can we learn from that? Like, what can we learn? How did the QS did, do that? What was happening, um, you know, between elections? Because I think that that's really important for us to think about. Where, you know, where did this come from? That this organizing didn't come just, just because of the election. I'm sure that there were years of organizing. When, how did, the, how did we get here? What can our OC, what can the rest of Canada learn uh, from what happens between elections in Quebec with Quebec Solidaire? Well, I'm not sure how how clear the answer to that question is, because we're actually always certainly in Quebec City and Quebec Solidaire. There's always a struggle between the work that we're all doing already and the party. Right. It's like what we're seeing right now is the deliverance of the political project that was started by the student movement in 2012. And that's really amazing. That is amazing. It's amazing. Gabrielle's what, 27 years old? Like, uh, there's already a whole generation of younger people than that who were too young to participate in the student movement, which is like, oh my God, we're all getting old. And then there's a whole generation that remember the Quiet Revolution or that remember the immediate after effects of the Quiet Revolution where national projects, nation building projects were once again on the table in Quebec that helped to create the way that the society operates today, like we still have public auto insurance and like the SAGEP system, which is still free to an extent. There's ancillary fees, which makes it less free. But no one's talking about national projects. When I say national in this context, I mean provincial. But even if you think in Canada, what are the big nation building projects that people are talking about? No one's talking about high speed, high speed rail from one end of the country to the other. Pharmacare kind of gets to that, but not entirely because it's just such a common sense thing. It doesn't take much political uh, courage to put in a form of pharmacare because it saves money. Well, I don't know what you mean by no nation building projects. I mean, we've got a pipeline that's coming. You know, that's that the, the pipeline that's not coming, a purchase pipeline that isn't coming. That's our nation building project. It, it exists. It's there. Pharmacare has been on the table and that's only on the table because there's a combination of not just social activists. There's researchers. There are professors who are actively doing research into these questions that at the moment of an election coming around, we are able, this party is offering a program that increases revenue by 12 billion dollars <laughs> like when when was the last time the NDP did that right it's like 12 they, they literally started the election by releasing their financial plan that had 12 billion dollars found to fund 12 billion extra dollars of spending I have a question so what was what were folks like Manon Massé and Gabrielle Dubois doing before uh before this election I mean it's not a question. It's a question that I know the answer to. Um, I think what's, you know, that it, it's important is that they come from social movements. This isn't, uh, th these aren't the types of uh, career politicians who, like, get up and say, you know, I want to be a politician uh, for being a politician's sake, and those people, I think, should be banned from politics. These are people who are connected to social movements, and that's really, really important. And I'm going to say, coming from the women's movement, Gabriel Dodebois, coming from the student movement, these are people who are connected to organizing as a result of uh, just being a part of being organizers. And I think that that's really important um, towards building an effective 
movement that is going to change society and not just through the ballot box, but is focused on more than just the ballot box. You know, uh, these movements coming together um, are important for for gaining electoral power, but also for changing our society as a whole. You touched on something that I think is so important, though, which is that when you're building something on the left, if you're chasing power, you will always make strategic errors. Right. It's like you have to have something that is in place for the moment that arises for action to happen. Look at what happened in Alberta. That was exactly what happened in Alberta, right? The fortress progressive conservatives faltered. You had this coming together of the labor movement and social movements and the NDP, and they got government. And everyone was like, whoa, that was so surprising. But there were signs that showed that labor, in, in, in one case, that labor was on the ball, where they they made a comment about how, uh, how uh, the premier should have looked in the mirror they were like, it's time for him to look in the mirror, like was was their slogan. And while they were putting that campaign together, the premier said that about Albertans. And it was this moment where it was like, see, this is what looks like when labor is on top of their game, when they are able to anticipate the next move of what's coming. Because if you're paying attention and you've got strategic, smart people and you're not just chasing your idea of power, you actually can build something that is ready for the, for the, for that moment where everything kind of comes together. And that's kind of what this campaign is, is that everything is coming together. Things that have not come together for many, many years are finally coming together. And rather than getting mad at ourselves because we were too radical or too left wing or or, or not palatable enough. Right. Amir Kadir was a very popular politician for a lot of reasons. He was a former co-spokesperson. But, you know, he didn't tone it down or anything like that, thinking that Amir's like extreme intellectualism and um, and just capacity as someone who could call out bullshit was a detriment to the party. But I'm actually not sure that the NDP, any NDP that I can think of is ready to have a leader that is like really radical and charismatic and ready to call out bullshit. You know what I mean? Like it's just there's a lot of like um, there's just a lot of conservatism small c conservatism built into the ndp in a lot of its instances and i'm just i I just don't know how to get past that and then the other thing is when you are building to be prepared for that moment where you have a, a just that little hole that you could kick open you have to build for not just the next election but for the next 10 years right like what we're experiencing now in 2018 was not just it did not just come to pass in 2012. In 2012, did not just come to pass the previous student strikes in 2005 and so on and so on. You can keep going backwards, right? It's like the work that we do today will bear fruit in the future. But if you get impatient and you start making shortcuts, which is, I think, the biggest plague of the left, and that's of every, like, just that's that's the NDP, that's uh, a lot of uh, not-for-profits and, and a lot of people in labor. If you're taking shortcuts... And you're not doing that organizing work and you're not spending the time to educate people and give people the skills and and bring people up through the ranks. You're building a a straw house. And that's and that's exactly what I'm getting at. Right. It's like um, the work. The work that we're all doing is should be the work of the party of any party. That is what the work is. But my question is like, so 
if we are going to learn from the QS, what is the relationship that the NDP has with the QS? Do they have a relationship? Is this something where the rest of Canada, the NDP and the rest of Canada can learn from what's going on um, from Quebec Solidaire? Oh, I mean, the NDP in Quebec started in this election to run against QS. So quite officially, the the NDP is polling at less than 1%. They didn't have a platform for three weeks of the five-week election. And uh, they are they are oppo- opposing uh, QS. And that this might be the, the way for us to talk about the big issue that a lot of English Canada people, and sorry if you're a Francophone in English Canada, because I always hated that term, but uh, the rest of Canada people struggle with, which is this idea that, well, QS is a sovereigntist party and therefore we cannot support it. And I actually think what Quebec, what Quebec's leader brings to the table is a modern discussion about the failures of the Canadian state, which on the left in Canada is something that many people are always talking about, but way more people should be talking about. And well, again, I ask, like, what is it that we can learn from Quebec Solidaire? What what lessons can be learned? What is it that the rest of Canada right now, if we're on the left, should be doing uh, in order to replicate this the type of victory or the type of movements that we're seeing um, in the election right now uh, in Quebec? What what are the steps that needs to be that need to be taken? Well, I think it it cannot be replicated exactly how it happened because social movements in the rest of Canada are so weak, right? It's like if you think of the of the foundation of Quebec Solidaire coming out of of social movement organizations that operated at the provincial level creating a political party, and keep in mind that they were created in opposition to the rightward drift of the Parti Québécois, right? The Parti Québécois that most people understand today is not the Parti Québécois that was founded, you know, 40 years ago. Like René Lévesque, his comments about immigration 40 years ago sounds really progressive and good. But the Parti Québécois has completely lost that and they've spun out on the identitarian issue and the, and the far-right nationalist side of the sovereigntist discussion has taken over. If I think about the NDP in Ontario, like, I don't know what the blockage is. Is it simply people, it, like the people who are pulling the levers of the party? Is it is it that there's not enough pressure being put on the NDP by the powerful social, the few powerful social movement actors in the province? And specifically, I'm thinking about labor. Uh, like, I, I, when you've got someone like Doug Ford, there's not, as I said, there's not much the NDP can do. Christ, the NDP hasn't been doing anything since Bob Ray. <laughs> like. Well, I don't, I don't know that it's uh, completely accurate that there's not much that they can do. Like, yeah, there, there's not much that they can do in the legislature in the, in a context of a majority government. But at this point, the party is more well resourced than they've been uh, in a really long time, like since they've held power. And so, they should be using those resources in addition to the. Um, relationships that they have with the labor movement to be building movements outside of what happens, you know, in the legislature. I think that there's such an important lesson to be learned by what's going on in Quebec. And that is that we can't scoff at social movements. They are crucial to changing the the you know the reality of what a province is going to look like, of, of what our country is going to look like, of what government looks like. 
And then subsequently how people are able to live. You know, the, the, the fight for 15, the win on the $15 minimum wage didn't come from it, just nowhere. It comes from a social movement. And if it is going to be attacked by the Doug Ford government, what brings it back is going to be a social movement. And in between the elections, just as QS was building in between the elections and not necessarily as QS, but as social movements, that's what needs to be happening here. And you're right. We have weaker... Uh, social movements across Canada, across in in Ontario, um, in other provinces, and uh, well-resourced, massive organizations like the NDP, like labor movements, can really play a role in helping to train and build activists for whatever comes next. Whether that's taking over the province, or you know, coming up with. Um, bandage measures of, of services that we're creating on our own, or maybe it's a general strike. And maybe that's something that's going to have to happen within the next four years in Ontario. And we're not ready for it. And we need to be making sure that we are ready um, as, as social movements, as people who need to be uh, politically engaged in the way that our system is run. And I do think uh, that the NDP can play a big role towards that. So I'm, I hope, you know, I don't know, again, I don't know what the relationship is. Probably adversarial if they're running against them. But, <laughs> you know, like it, it would be really great uh, if, you know, there were some lessons learned from this. And that's the other thing, too, is that Quebec, there's still a strong culture of debate here. There's a strong culture of debate in the party. And you can see that around the religious symbols issue where the party has a default position to Bouchard-Taylor, the Bouchard-Taylor Commission from uh, many years ago uh, around uh, religious symbols should not be worn by people in positions of being a judge or a prison guard. Um, even though Charles Taylor last year said that he disagreed with their own position. And there's a solid current in the party of, I would say, at least... Uh, 30% of people who are willing, who are really trying to fight to change that. And then there's, I would say, probably 30% of people who just don't really know or either way. And then 30% who are like really strongly hardcore. And it's like, that's going to be our next showdown. Like the second that this election finishes and we figure out what kind of government we have and we figure out what kind of role Quebec Solidaire plays in what is pretty sure, sure to be a minority government, although maybe we won't have the balance of power. Uh, I think that that's going to be the next major showdown of the party. And there will be debates and there will be a lot of arguments and there might be acrimony. But that's a party that still has that that space. Uh, and, and the difference between what I see at an NDP convention, which is all flash and and expensive convention centers and people wearing headsets <laughs> versus like a guy at the front of a, of a huge lecture hall trying to uh, trying to coordinate a debate or whatever. It's it's quite different, and you can see that the grassroots spirit of Quebec Solidaire is always there. And there's you know there's negatives to it as well, but the highly polished, highly professional look of the NDP that I think you know I think a lot of people would agree came with Jack Layton, uh, that only gets you maybe a win, a flash in the pan. That's not endurance. That's not something that average people see over the long term and and get behind. Yeah, I'm like yeah, I agree with that 100. percent and, you know, I, the thing that I'm like debating with myself, if I should say, and I'm just going to freaking say it is like, yeah, the labor movement needs to freaking calm down on that stuff too. The debate is, is the more important piece of yeah. getting people together. Um, not the show. Relinquish a little bit of control and you might be surprised. Polls will close on Monday night at 
uh, 8 o'clock Eastern. So definitely tune in to whatever channel you are watching to find out what's going on. There are some very, very close races. Uh, whether or not the CAC will get a minority or majority government is the question that everyone's asking. The other question will be, is the PQ wiped out? Uh, they won't be fully wiped out. They probably won't even be Ontario Liberal level wiped out, but they will definitely be kneecapped. And their leader is in uh, risk of losing his seat in Rosemont in Montreal against Vincent, <laughs> against Vincent Morisal from Quebec Solidaire. So that's like super exciting. Um, but it's, you know, minority governments in Quebec aren't that rare. It's not like we're in New Brunswick where they just <laughs> elected their first minority government in a hundred years. What the hell, New Brunswick? <laughs> That is goofy. Um, but, what, you know, what we're seeing is this incredible reckoning with how politics have always been and how politics are happening when people don't give a fuck about convention. We're seeing that with Doug Ford in a far turn to the right. And we're seeing that through the expression of this really wacky uh, distribution of seats in New Brunswick with three people from a far right party, three people from the Greens, 21 from the Liberals and 22 from the Cons. And the 21 Liberal people are getting the first crack at forming government. It's really, really fascinating stuff. And and so Quebec is going to be the same thing. Uh, even a majority liberal, uh, majority CAC government will be beatable. And I am sure that uh, that there are people that are like sharpening their pots and pans, ready to to confront Francois Legault. Um, and that's really the only important message, right? It's like we're in a in a there's a new era. We are currently witnessing a new era emerging, and it could take a hard right or a hard left, or it could be the radical center. And we have got the radical center with the federal liberals. We've got the hard right with Doug Ford, and I don't know what that hard left is going to be, but fuck, we will see what happens in this province. <laughs> And that's all for today. Do not forget November 2nd. Clear it on your calendars because Nora and I will be in town. There are two events that we're doing. Uh, one is the Accelerate Day um, that we'll put up some information for. And the other, we are coordinating on our own um, as a fuck you to the monk debates. Fuck you, monk debates. Um, so you'll see a little bit more information on that as it comes. Bon chance, Québec.